It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. I am Craig Hoffman. He is Logan Paulson. We apologize for being quote-unquote late this week, but we wanted to be complete. We wanted to be thorough. And so we let training camp or uh, mini camp finish. And now a full review podcast of the three days all open to the media, Logan, uh, in which we will seek to answer a couple of key questions. One, did Sam Howell do enough to remain the undisputed QB1, a.k.a. in practice, not have Jacoby Brissett take any reps with the ones when training camp opens in the fall? We'll also take a look at some of the key skill position guys and then a larger look at the defense. That's the schedule for the pod today. And Logan, let's start with the quarterback play. You actually went back and charted all three practices and let's just start kind of big picture. What are some things yeah. that you noticed um, key trends uh, for what reputationally was an up and down week for Sam Howell. And I think a solid week for Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, I think that's kind of what I thought too, you know, like um, before I charted it, like, cause like when you're watching, you're like, Oh, that's kind of a weird throw or that's kind of this. And when you go back and chart it, you're like, man, he's been like crazy efficient on like the shorter, like quick game stuff and the intermediate stuff. So like uh, five-step drop, three-step drop, screens, that type of stuff. They kind of had like a, you know, like a fake RPO in there, completed that. But when you look at that on the chart, you're like, that is really good. It's, it's, it's very high completion percentages. He's getting the ball where it needs to go. He's getting that ball out on time. The thing that I was a little surprised when looking at the practices after kind of going through all of it was that when the ball is getting pushed down the field, he seems to have a harder time with that stuff. Now, the coverage hmm. is tight, all that kind of thing, but like in terms of delivering shots down the field in a team setting, so like team blitz, team pass, it's just not as clean. Like um, I think he threw an interception on the second day where he probably should have thrown the dig. There was a, there was a big corner basically kind of clearing out coverage, and there was a dig. He, he kind of forced the corner. Um, and you're kind of like, why'd you do that? There was an, uh, the interception that he had the day before. He kind of tried to force it down the seam. It bangs off someone's helmet, get, gets picked off. And so when you kind of went back through all of his interceptions, even from OTAs, they're all of that kind of stuff where it's like, it's a little late in the down. He's pushing the ball where it doesn't need to push. And he doesn't anticipate the deep ball with the same dexterity that I kind of had in my mind, right? He was really, really good. Short, intermediate stuff. And then the deeper stuff was a little bit um, – not that he didn't do that because, again, like in 7-on-7, seven seven, for example, he had a beautiful ball to Cole Turner in Tampa 2 that's a little bit behind but kind of right where it needs to be and Cole drops it. Not Cole's fault. It would have been a tough catch, that kind of thing. But 
So he has shown flashes of that, but I'd say on the whole, he struggled a little bit more with those lower percentage throws, pushing the ball down the field. So that's super interesting because it fits some of what I think most of us took out uh, just watching it live, being there, but not necessarily all of it. Um, definitely the quick game stuff, which you almost take for granted because it's right. so quick. It's so efficient. It's just like, okay, well, that next play, got it. Um, <laughs> but that's going to be a huge part of their offense. So like yeah. you can just, oh, yeah, that's that's good. Next play. Yeah, let's let's do that all the way down the field. And then you get right. in the red zone and you got to execute uh, or you hit a big one and, and cool. Um, where I felt like he struggled from what I've been able to see in the two practices I went to and, and talking to obviously fellow beat reporters uh, that have been out there uh, for all of it is some of the stuff over the middle. You know, we had discussion of whether his height is actually a factor because it seemed like when he got into seven on seven, that stuff was a little bit better. And, and maybe the offensive line, he just hasn't figured out the windows yet. So there's, there's like all that kind of, I don't want to call it narrative. Cause like it's stuff we saw. Um, yeah. It's just mm -hmm. when you're able to go back and watch the film, you're able to see it better, clear, more context, you know, you chart it, you kind of start to see some trends emerge on paper that maybe you miss um, cause you're, you're trying to string things together just in your head. Um, so I, I think that's interesting because it did feel like when he pushed the ball down the field, like that was some of his better stuff, but mm. maybe that was more seven on 70, less team, you know, what, you know, and is that even accurate once you chart it out or is that just, you know, certain plays taking up more space in your mind than others that, you know, when you kind of even them out on paper, it's, it's actually a more even performance. I definitely think it's the latter there. I think, cause like when you're watching, you're like, Oh wow. You know, and I was the same, I did the same thing, you know, and that's why I was surprised by what I charted. You know what I mean? I was like, Oh, like, you know, he's been excellent at this. And you kind of go through and you're like, it actually isn't been like that great. And I, I think it's also important to give it some context. Like those throws, you know, league wide, excuse me, are a little bit more like lower percentage, right? You're going to hit 50%. Right. And so the big ones, you're like, wow, that's great. You know, like, for example, on um, on Monday or Tuesday this week, he overthrows Terry McLaurin, right, on a go where he beats Emmanuel Forbes badly, like just misses, right? Next play to Jahan kind of overthrows again and it tight, tight, tight coverage. But you're like, you don't kind of put those in the box of like deep throws, but those are deep throws. And you kind of remember the big ones that he hits. But he also has some misses, and those are lower percentage throws, so his percentage is going to be worse there, and that's totally totally fine and to be expected. It's interesting the thing about the middle of the field because I do feel like there are times where he doesn't see the middle of the field unless it's like a big receiver, and that's like Logan Thomas has been pretty good over the middle of the field for him, but Logan Thomas is like six seven, so you know like he can see that guy, can make those throws. Also, their connection we're going to talk about this more later has been amazing it's been totally on point so that's been really cool to see but i i, re I definitely think the stuff where it's like we're cre we're we're attacking underneath space was better in the analysis and it should be better because it's a higher percentage throw but it just kind of jumps out to you a little bit more definitively and again when he's he just seemed a little bit more deliberate i guess is the word a little bit more delayed like he had to see it as opposed to trusting the ball and getting it to where it needs to go, where I felt like that's where Jacoby did a pretty good job of that. But Jacoby's also holding the ball for a very, very long time to get there, you know? And so it's, um, I kind of subtract points for Jacoby's throws down the field sometimes because they're a little bit too long. And I feel like Sam, you know, again, kind of had some misses down there that, you know, and misreads. I kind of, I put, I put it all in the same pile, misthrows, misreads, all that kind of stuff. At least how I, identify them so um but i think overall over these i think the first day was a little rough but going back and watching it wasn't as rough as i originally thought 
Um, but he down the, down the field, I was a little surprised. Not as good as I had kind of intuited to start. Um, something that I think is worth pointing out and kind of underscoring again here is that you know you get in some of these specific periods and they're working on certain things, and you might call if you're the enemy six straight dropbacks. That's never going to happen. Correct. Year. And so this is where, like, I have come out of this spring. My big takeaway is the most, and it, this really isn't a change. Like, the most important thing is Biennemi. Um, But the, it, it just it becomes even more apparent how key the play calling is. Because there's certain yeah. stuff that Sam executes at an extremely high level. And if he just calls that stuff as, as often as he can, then I feel like they could be decent on offense. Uh, or maybe even, hold your breath, good. Uh, and... <laughs> You know, on the other side of it, he's got some stuff that's much higher risk. And if they put all that on Sam's plate, like they they could be in trouble. But I, I think you even got to see it was it was the day I was out there, so it was Wednesday, how some of the play calling comes into it. I mean, yeah. they they got a screen, like eighty yard touchdown yeah. on a screen play in one of the team periods that you know they've been working different stuff, and all of a sudden they throw it in there. They hit the the timing just right. They hit the misdirection and, and next thing you know was it gibson uh yeah. no it wasn't get or yeah, maybe it was, it was gibson it was gibson yeah he's out like 80 yards truly not practice out not like oh that's cute the running back did the running back in training camp thing where he runs all the way no matter how yeah. many people would have tackled him he was out yeah. and so if you can set that stuff up well then go execute it again i think this offense has a ton of potential but these specific drill settings, I think, underscore how important the play calling is and to make sure that you give the quarterback the stuff that he's good at and that can execute it consistently at a high level. And it's also important to that to that end that the shot plays are usually off of some type of play action, you know, and in these periods, like because they're not running the football, they're not even, you know, it's like a token fake, basically, and everyone knows it that the windows in the back end are really, really tight. And I think um, I expect them to be looser as they game plan, as they prep, as they coach routes to beat specific coverages. And those shot plays will kind of open up a little bit and become higher percentage throws because that's what they did in Kansas City. Um, also, I think to the screen thing, that was awesome. That play was great. They had another one that they hit on Tuesday, kind of to B-Rob. was also a big play. Um, that's team blitz. And so – you know, it kind of goes both ways. You know, it's blitz if we call a screen and we hit it versus this cover. That's what you want. You want screens versus blitzes. Um, but they got it hit perfectly. You know, Sam Cosby's running down the field. Uh, Sadiq Charles is running down the field. You see the athleticism of those guards. You see guys, uh, the left tackle, I think it was Leno, how they block it to get to make to ensure that the defensive end's not pursuing to the football. Gates, you know, does a great job kind of capturing the three technique like the coaching is so high there so yeah i definitely think it's the sequencing of plays is huge the execution of plays is huge and i think the the efficiency of sam howell is definitely correlated or related to that because one of the reasons he's so efficient underneath is because guys are running better routes the concepts are better the windows are better and they're tight windows and tight throws and he's done a great job of getting the ball there so um you know i i like what sam's done and i think that was the other thing when i went back and charted the throws you realize like how efficient he's actually been and how on time he's actually been. And those things are, are important to me in my evaluation of a guy who could potentially be the starter. So um, situationally, um, I know they worked on some of that stuff, especially on Thursday. 48 was on the, the radio yeah. show with me and said that it was wildly up and down for Sam through a couple of interceptions and then through like three straight touchdowns. How did he look situationally third down periods, red zone periods? Yeah, so I actually thought there was some really good stuff that he did in the red zone. Um, 
you know, again, the timing's important. It is red zone. You know you're not going to run the football. Coverage windows are small. Um, I thought the first interception was not his fault at all. I thought it was entirely on Kemp. Um, and I'm not – because, you know, Kemp's had a pretty good last couple of days, so I don't want it to be like, oh, everyone kill Kemp. Like, he's had a good couple of days, and him and uh, Sam seem to be developing a rapport. Like, for example, just to kind of show you what Kemp's been able to do on the first day, so Tuesday, you know, he has a route versus um, Emmanuel Forbes and – just kind of big bodies him, you know, like throws him by on a stop. Forbes almost falls down. Easy catch for a first down. You love that from your big receiver. Um, in the red zone, however, he's running a crossing route. Percy Butler's cutting the crossing route, and I think he felt like it was zone. Like they're in some type of match coverage. To me, it plays like man. You know, it, it, like we, t- we had this conversation with um, – uh, with Matt Ryan, right, how it kind of – it's zone, but it really is man. And that's kind of what he fell into there. And he should have kept running and he sat down and Percy. Mm. And so instead of throwing the ball, he's throwing the ball to a spot because I think he's, you know, versus man coverage on those crossing routes, you got to keep going versus zone. You sit down. So Sam read it as man. Kemp read it as zone. Kemp sat down. He throws the ball. He throws the ball literally right to Percy Butler for an interception. So to me, wildly inconsistent, whatever, like that. The results are inconsistent, but you know, that's, that's why we go deeper on it to say like, okay, well, Sam actually plus plus their good throw, good read, uh, yeah. throws with anticipation. The problem is when you throw with anticipation, sometimes uh, the receiver doesn't do what you anticipate. And sometimes it's their fault because they should have. Yeah, and I'm, I'm assuming that's what the receiver should do. I don't know for sure, just based on other offenses. I think that's right. His second interception, however, I thought um, to Troy Apke, I thought it was his fault, and it reminded me a lot of the interception he had in the Dallas game. I think he's getting used to kind of defensive back speed. So what I mean by that is they had like a corner or some type of uh, kind of, you know, sail route to the back pylon. And instead of just putting that thing high and like where only his guy could get it, he kind of sailed it back there, kind of like he did against Dallas, you know, where he kind of mm-hmm. put it up to Cam, Cam Sims on the corner. There's a guy underneath. He's trying to get it over the top, but you got to put a little bit more velocity on in the red zone. So Apke kind of runs back under it, makes a pick. I think that's on Sam. I think he's got to kind of develop in that skill set. And another thing I would say is a couple of plays later, he gets Curtis Hodges um, running basically like a high cross. So he starts on the left side of the formation, running high across to the back pylon. They kind of, yep, they pin the coverages down to the other side. Everyone's running stops. The throw is there. Um, Logan Thomas had a touchdown on this against um, the LA Chargers two years ago. Same kind of concept it's open. And instead of kind of delivering that throw, we just talked about kind of, you know, fast and high, give your guy a shot. Cause all that space is there. Gets a little gun shy, pulls it down, scrambles to the left for a no play. So I would give him a minus there. Cause I'm like, I think if you want to be an NFL quarterback, you know, in, in, in a red zone situation, that's a throw. I think you got to give your guy a shot there. And now that's my opinion. I would tell him that to his face if he asked me about it, but he might say, Hey man, we're not coaching it like that. We're coaching a different read. And I'd be like, totally fine. But when I look at that, I say that throw, that little kind of that dart um, over the top throw that's got to get up and down really quick. He seems to be having a hard time with that. He had a hard time with it last year. He's a young player still. He'll get better. Um, So to me, I'd say overall more bad than good because some of the bad wasn't his fault. Yeah. Uh, More good than bad, you meant to say. Yeah, more. Yeah. More good than bad. You know what I mean? More good than bad. Yeah, I did. I just want to clarify because now in case anyone wants to twist it. uh, And of course, I'm going to twist your... 
I, I'm going to twist your words and just say you're you're biased. You want more tight end touchdowns. I do. I that's want all, more tight end touchdowns. That's all, that's all you I want. Do. You just want that's your really guy what, That's to... really the the crux of it. I mean, he had a t- <laughs> Curtis had a touchdown yesterday. Logan had a touchdown yesterday. Bates had one. Come on, we got to get those guys the ball more. So they're you know they're yeah. doing a great job. So yeah. Um. So let's answer answer the fundamental question real quick, and then we'll get on to uh, one of the tight ends, Logan uh, Thomas, and then some of it, what Antonio Gibson did. But if you're Ron Rivera and you're opening training camp, you know, they do have one more practice next week, but it's one practice, whatever you get to training camp day one in July is Sam getting all of the one reps. Are you starting to hedge your bets and give Jacoby any one reps? And I, I think I know which way you're leaning. I know what Ron said, but did, in your opinion, did Hal do enough to remain QB one without any competition? Yeah, so I think before <clears throat> before I went back and looked at it, I was kind of like, uh, you know, maybe been a little up and down. But after I went through and charted everything, hundred percent, like he deserves yeah. it. Like uh, he's been he's been efficient again. He's thrown picks, he's made mistakes, he's a young player, but the talents there, the arm talents there, the releases there, the way he's reading stuff is is pretty good, man. Like he and he's making some plays. Like he made a really nice play. I think it was, yeah, it was uh, Wednesday where he kind of rolls to his left on a sprint option and Logan Thomas. So it's a three by one. So there's three receivers to the side he's rolling to Logan Thomas is running an out and the other two guys are running goes and the coverage is perfect. There's no throw Logan Thomas stops. And then he kind of opens his shoulder and delivers just a total strike to Logan Thomas in the soft spot of the zone. And it was a heck of a throw. And so he's, he's had enough of those kind of splash plays and he makes the, he makes hard stuff look easy on some of this underneath stuff. And so I, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. And if I'm Ron, I'm betting on that potential. I'm betting yeah. that, oh, he doesn't make that same mistake in the red zone. He's not going to force that football there. Or we can game plan throws open for him a little bit better than this when the team doesn't know that it's team pass. You know, so I, I think um, looking at that, um, I, I think um, I think he deserves that opportunity. And, and, I, and it's also because Jacoby, again, I have – some reservations about how he's been playing the position. Like he's done a really good job. He's a good football player, but he holds the ball a little longer than I'd like him to on some concepts. And is that his fault all the time? Absolutely not. But I like the rhythm and timing with which Sam is playing. And so I want to see more of that. And I, I'm, I'm sure Ron feels the same way. He does. That is what he said. Um, his answer was uh, a less descriptive version, as you'd imagine. He's a head coach. You're a podcaster, at least in your current form. Um, sorry to reduce you to just being yeah, a podcaster. Yeah, just a podcaster. Uh, in, in your current form here on this, you know, podcast. Um, but his answer was very similar. You know, I, he's done enough. He's he's going to be our guy. And I actually, I regret the way I worded the question, because when I say without competition, it is still a competition, yeah, right? Yeah. And it's it's just like if they're running a race, Sam got a head start. If he stumbles and falls down or runs super slow and Jacoby takes off and, and is able to perform at a super high level, Jacoby would catch and pass him. That's that's how races work. Yeah. But they've run either the same speed or Sam's run even perhaps based off what you just said a little bit better. And so Sam has maintained that lead and, and thus uh, it's still a competition. He can still trip and fall. Um, Jacoby can still pull you know do something amazing and have you know a couple great weeks and maybe they're like man this guy's awesome we need to we need to start him but realistically um the most likely outcome from the 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 prognosticators is that sam will open the season as qb1 and and that's the outcome i think everybody would like to see except for maybe jacoby Brissett. but even jacoby knows the score like yeah he knows he knows what he signed up for and i also think like that's why you have like that joint practice with baltimore like again circle that sucker on your calendar because if jacoby comes out and is dealing, 
because he's seen it before. He knows what that's going to look like. And Sam is sputtering a little bit because, again, like while our defense is good and they've been playing great in this period, and I think that's really forced Sam to elevate his game, it's not going to be anything like what they're going to see in Baltimore. And so how does he handle kind of prepping for a new team, game planning for a new team um, in these different practice situations? And and I think Jacoby's going to have a little bit of a leg up there. And again, Jacoby's done a good job. I just think Sam's yeah. been a little bit cleaner with some of the stuff. So, um, yeah, it'll be really interesting. It'll be really interesting to see that, that training camp, that, that joint practice, some of the preseason stuff. So. I tend to think that after those practices, Rivera will officially name the starter. I kind of, um, doesn't it feel that way? Kind of there's no way. reason to do it beforehand. Right. Um, and afterwards, there's kind of no reason to wait. That is the spot. You know, that's, that's the piece of data that you're waiting for. You get it, you name the starter, you move on. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Take a man podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Craig Hoffman. He is Logan Paulson. Logan, let's talk about a tight end named Logan. Uh, Logan Thomas yes. has been uh, a, a topic of much discussion amongst, I feel like, the fan base even more than the media because fans look at the contract and it's like, well, you know, he wasn't very good last year. He cost a lot of money. I don't get why they don't cut him. And the reason you don't cut him is because you don't need the cap space. And he might just still be a really good football player. Yeah. And it looks like so far in camp, from what you've seen, uh, I get the sense he's he's still a pretty good football player. Yeah, man. And he's he is. He's doing a really nice job. It, it, it looks a little different, I think, than a lot of fans would like, where it's, you know, the guys at the position are Darren Waller, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle, guys who are like super twitchy, explosive guys. Logan's not really like that. More of a long strider kind of basketball, kind of weaving in and out of coverages, but has a really good feel for zones, has a really good feel for man, is gigantic and uses his size at an extremely high level to beat players, right? Um, and he's been able to do that. Him and Sam seem to be on the same page. Like, uh, you know, last week in the OTA period, running a dig, sits down in his own ball, uh, runs a swirl on Benjamin St. Juice, which is kind of a corner to a comeback kind of angle. So like you're running a corner and then you come back on that angle. And you run it for spacing reasons. And he beats Benjamin St. Juice, kind of bodying him out, gets the ball, um, runs a choice the other day, big body catch. I mean, he's had so many catches. He's been probably the most consistent offensive player this entire period. And it's because of he's utilizing his size. You can tell they've kind of um, pulled the reins off a little bit. Some of the thing, One of the things that Travis Kelsey does that is, is you know, beautiful is that he runs routes to beat coverages. 
and him and Patrick Mahomes are on the same page. And we've talked about this a little bit on the podcast before, but Logan is doing that now with Sam. And that is cool. That's really cool. And I think that's going to lead to a lot of trust. Like when Sam's in trouble, it's not like I'm looking around. It's like, where's Logan? I'm throwing the ball. And Logan, more often than not, bodies the guy out, makes a nice catch and makes a play for him. So I think, um, again, not the twitchiest or the fastest guy in the whole world, but a big guy with good hands who feels zones well and has been very productive through these, what is it, nine practices? So, Yeah, I, I know it's cliche, but he's a former quarterback, and he, right. he definitely plays like it at times where he's got that understanding of zone, of leverage. Hey, defender's here. I have to angle my body this way. I have to run to this spot. I need to you know, set my hands to here to get targeted. Like In the same way we talked about, Brissett has this ability to really dot you know, balls away from leverage and throw with you know, NFL caliber. NFL caliber precision like Logan is kind of that as a target um right. I guess the, be- the best way I can describe it he understands exactly where he needs to be to shield a guy and the amount of times he's caught balls with guys trying to come through him is very high um even in yep. the two practices that I went to and I will add for him to do that while coming back from the ACL and I know obviously he was you know he's he's back at this point basically right. but that's the kind of stuff that's hard, like ACL injuries, you know, what you fear is like that quick stop and, you know, too much pressure going forward on your knee and for a guy to be draped all over your back as you hit a comeback and to have the body control to be upright and do the proper, you know, kind of things you need to do with your body to shield. Like that's a lot, that's an intense yeah. ask. And and he has done that extremely well. And, and, um, I think that's great. I, I think it shows the kind of the reason that he's still here, right? The reason that he yeah. cut him is because he's still their best option. Has Cole Turner flashed? Sure. Has Curtis Hodges flashed? Sure. Bates does something kind of different. Um, you know, they've had, they obviously lost. Yeah. They, they've lost Armani Rogers, which really stinks. Cause I thought he could be so, so special and dangerous, but really like it's not Kansas city where Kelsey's the special guy and the receivers just have to do enough. Right. The special guys here are the receivers you want a tight end who you can just solidly rely on to do his job. And Logan Thomas seems to be fitting that to an absolute T. Yeah. I think that's a really, that's a perfect characterization, you know, and, and in this kind of uh, only passing environment, like it's been tough, man. It's been tough for the receivers. The windows have been really tight. Uh, you know, Forbes, St. Juiced, Fuller, um, Percy Butler, uh, Forrest have done a great job. Uh, you know, Quan has done a great, they've done a great job of matching concepts and so some of that deep stuff hasn't, like we talked about, hasn't been great. And uh, and so Logan Thomas has been the benefit of that. And I do think it helps that he's a big body and you can see him from like the moon damn near. So um, <laughs> it's, uh, I, I really think he's, he's, he's positioned himself to go in to have a really good training camp and show why he deserves to be a bigger part of this offense. And you mentioned Curtis, or you mentioned uh, Cole. Cole's the same thing, done a really nice job. And I think when you look at the utilization pat- patterns of practice, you see that EB and this offensive staff understand that as well. You know, they they had a 14 personnel package out there the other day, twice, you know, in the red zone and with a Gibson. And it feels like that that's something that's real, that those guys can win one-on-ones. You can find separation and make plays with those big bodies. So um, I, I think all those guys are going to be a part of this. Um, Logan's, Logan especially, but Cole's going to get touches. You know, he's been uh, great on like choices and snags and, had a really nice um, catch on a double move, which we didn't talk about, but uh, I think that was the second week, the second practice. 
he got like a little out and up, like beat the line, beat a, beat a corner, you know, did a great job, man. So that whole group to me is one of the most compelling groups because I think they just allow you, um, they give you so many advantages. They give you plus advantage in the run game. They give you plus advantage in the pass game. If the defense is matching and running personnel, like think about, I don't know how you don't match 14 personnel with goal line. And if you match with goal line and you come out and empty, you've got a defensive end trying to cover one of those guys. And that's just not good football. Right? So I I'm, I'm very excited about the potential of that group and how EB seems to be using them. And, um, and obviously there's a lot of time left, a lot of training camp, a lot of growth, got to put the pads on. How does Curtis Hodges look with the pads on? How does Cole look with the pads on? But I'm um, very excited for that group. Yeah. A lot, a lot of camp to go. Um, there's an entire run game to install and see how they look as, as blockers. Cause that's obviously Big critically part of important. Um, and then there's roster decisions to be made. You know, you can't do 14 personnel if you uh, don't have four tight ends Correct. and not having four tight ends is how most NFL teams operate. Most teams have three. Right. So, um, these are the the big questions, but also the the versatility of these guys is going to allow for some different things. Um, you see how they do on special teams, you know, that that's going to matter for some of these guys. Yeah. So um, these are the, you know, Bianami can, can come up with all the things he wants. They've got to eventually field a 53 and some of what they can do is going to be impacted by that. Not to put a buzzkill on it, but uh, just something to keep in the back of, of everyone's mind. And they do have a precedent of keeping four. They kept four last year, yeah. kept four the year before. They, they seem to understand the value of it. They just haven't used it. And I'm not saying this is going to be an every play thing. Let's make sure that's perfectly clear. But it's a nice change up to what you're really good at, you know, um, especially in the red zone where you do play a yeah. lot of goal line. So, uh, again, cautiously optimistic. That group has, has been a lot of fun to watch. They've all been pretty productive. I mean, Sam talked to Sam Forty on your show talked about the touchdowns. You know, Curtis had one, uh, Logan had one, Bates had one. You know, like the, the, that group's been very, 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 very consistently productive. And you know, g- kudos to them because uh, you know, obviously, uh, the 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 tight end coach is now helping with the offensive line, Juan Castillo, and then so um, Storm has done a good job of coming in there and, and getting everybody coached up. So uh, credit to that whole group. They they've been really one to me. And I know I'm biased, whatever, but they've been one of the standout groups for training camp. Love it. Uh, other guy you wanted to talk about before we hit the defense is Antonio. Oh, Gibson. yeah, man, I'm excited. What for have him. you seen from him? I'm so excited for him, dude. Like, he, you know, everyone talks about he's the receiver. He's this. He's and he's really just a good space player that can catch the football. And we've been kind of waiting and like hoping for something to come along that um, that you know, for someone to utilize him in a dynamic way. And it just hasn't happened. It hasn't come to fruition that way, which has been super frustrating for him. Um, but, you know, the screen, you mentioned that. That's an explosive play, getting in the football in space. He's running choices now. He's got to work on that skill set a little bit, kind of that super sudden, but he's getting those opportunities. The other day um, in the red zone, you know, they're in like a, a, a snug two-man set. So, like, um, you know, there's a an F receiver and an X receiver over there. I think it was Kurt. It might have been Logan and Terry. And Gibson is offset in the gun to that side. And he is so fast that when he got out in that route, like they ran three verticals and he, he from the backfield, it looked like they were all on the same level. And I'm like, that is a true receiver set there, but it looks like you can run the ball from it. And you can run the ball from it. And he caught the football and did a great job catching a, catching a vertical. So I just look at him and I'm like, I, I'm excited for how EB – seems to be thinking about using him and developing that skill set that we've all been asking for. And, um, you know, Fred Swoop brought this up on the show 
that, you know, like there's no such thing as like kind of a three headed monster in the backfield with regards to touches, because there's not enough run touches to go around. But if Gibson ends up with 30 catches and 40 carries, like that's not a bad year for him, you know, and, uh, and that that's a very productive season. So I'm, I'm excited for him. They seem to kind of be evolving their thought process to, to kind of maximize him. And just like that tight end group, I think he's a guy that's going to really, really benefit from the creative mind of Eric Bieniemy. Yeah, definitely. Um, just the more pieces you can move, the better. I mean, him and yeah. Samuel seem like the two guys that are, and we talked about it. Uh, it was like, who's the gadget player? And like Curtis fits that more um, because when we think about those types of players, it's like, oh, that's unexpected. You break the huddle in 11, now Curtis in the backfield and you're in what's really 21 or you were, you know, yeah. you, you didn't have any running backs in the game. And now you got Curtis back there and you got two tight ends in and you're able to run it. Um, you know, so there's, there's like all kinds of different things that you can do uh, with the guy like that. But I think that what makes, what make the Kansas city offense so special besides Mahomes and besides Kelsey is their ability to generate space. And so if you were Antonio Gibson and you were a space player, having a guy who knows how to create space seems like a good guy to be your coach. And, and it just always strikes me when I watch Kansas city, how open everybody feels all the time. And sometimes it's because Mahomes runs around and is able to throw an underhand pass left-handed to a guy who's just done a good job in the scramble drill. But there's so much of that offense that's on time, on target, and open. And that I think that gets me super excited. And if I'm Gibson, I spend the next couple of weeks also watching a lot of Jarek McKinnon tape because yeah. that dude had nine receiving touchdowns last year. Nine. <laughs> nine receiving yeah. touchdowns as a running back. Which so, would be great. Uh, that would be, yeah. I think if, if Antonio Gibson has nine touchdowns this season, the commanders will be doing okay. I agree. And bold um, take. Bold take. And I, the other thing I think to your to kind of supplement that point about creating space, they also speak to skill sets. And so we're not asking Gibson to do something that he can't do. We're asking him to do something he can do. We're not asking Logan Thomas to do something he can't do or any of those other guys, right? And I think that is something that gets uh, in addition to the space thing gets me really fired up is we are finding what people are good at like Jahan for example Jahan has been excellent in the slot here running choices running kind of short intermediate stuff and that was something I thought he would be doing more last year but he didn't and so uh, everyone's getting magnified by what what Eric's brought and I think that is something that um, obviously it's early but when training camp comes I hope that continues and you know in, in the preseason into the joint practices. Yeah, we send our, our prayers up to the football gods that it goes even beyond that into the regular season. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Greg Hoffman. He is Logan Paulson. All right, we've talked about some of the successes of the offense, but there haven't been as many as there otherwise might be if not for the fact that this defense is playing so damn well. Right. Uh, what have you seen on that side of the ball that has stood out to you that, that has you so fired up about uh, what Jack Del Rio's unit is doing? I mean, it's really just the stuff on the back end. You know, like they are – they're good, man. There's not a lot of big coverage busts. No one's running wide open. You know, I think last year around this time, like William Jackson the third every day, it was like, oh, man, that was a big explosive player. Jahan routed somebody up. And, like, that's not going on anymore. Like, guys are playing good, physical, smart coverage in the back end. There's small throwing windows. Linebackers are doing a good job. Like, it's it's cool. It's, it's good stuff to watch. And I don't know who deserves all the credit for that. I don't know if it's the new DB coach. I don't know if it's Jack. I don't know who it is. Or just getting good people in the building, getting good young players in. But, man, that group is – if they can continue to play like this and continue to grow – um, that's going to be pretty special. Now they've only been dealing with coverage concepts, right? So, sure. you know, how does that affect people in their run fits and play actions and screens? And when, when things are a little bit more complicated, can they still play with that same level of continuity and precision? It remains to be seen, but man, like they've all done a great job. You know, they, they've just done a great job matching that stuff. And um, to me, they're, they're close to the MVP of camp for anybody, for the whole team is the back end of this defense. And um, I'm not being hyperbolic when I say that they've done a really nice job. Yeah. So someone in the press corps asked Del Rio the other day, I think it was Del Rio. And I was listening to this in the, in a press conference, it might've been Rivera. And I was there. I don't know. They all mushed together. Eventually <laughs> coach is talking to microphones, reporters asking speak. questions. Yeah. yeah but I, I'm pretty sure it was someone asking Del Rio, like, how do you balance being aggressive for turnovers and making sure that you don't have any big mistakes? And he kind of rejected the premise of the question in a way that I appreciated, which is, you know, if you do your job, like you have the chance to create turnovers, you just keep preaching it. And, and when you're in position, you go make the play. But it's not like you play one way to generate turnovers and like like you might in basketball, right? In basketball, if you want you're like, hey, we're going to jump every passing lane, we're going to really take some risks here. Um, that's not really how football works because like the ball comes to you and yeah, at that point you might be like, oh, I'm just going to be smart and make the tackle or I might gamble and try to pick this off. And that can result in a big play or, or an interception, like a big play either way you missed the yeah. ball and now your guy's wide open. Um, but because there's only one pass per play, it's not like the ball's whipping around the perimeter in the NBA. Like it's just <laughs> a different, it's a very different thing. The best way you can generate turnovers is, be super solid in what you're asked to do, make the offense's life difficult. And then you either get a strip sack or a guy, you know, quarterback forces a ball and you're in position and you, you make the play or it's, it's contested. The ball flies up in the air uh, on a hit and then you pick it off. The way to create turnovers is to be solid. And I think right. that is something that has been very apparent in this camp is they've made things difficult for the offense. And as a result, some balls have been tipped. They've gone up in the air. They probably would have had strip sack opportunities if the quarterbacks were live. And that kind of stuff wasn't necessarily happening last spring when they had all the coverage busts and all the things, because then it's just easy completions, easy, big plays for the offense. Yeah. And, um, you know, last year, the success really came from like the, the blitzes and the kind of stunts that they were running up front and just how the offensive line was having a hard time dealing with it. And this year it's been like, 
you know, kind of four, they do team blitz, obviously, but four man rushes. And and I'm really glad you brought up that solid point because all the picks, none of them have been like gambly picks. It's been like the quarterbacks trying to get the ball where he thinks it should go. And they're there. They're just there. Yeah. The ball gets tipped up. It gets batted. It gets whatever. Or it's just a, it's a hard throw and it's right. off by two yards and the safety gets it instead of the receiver. And and that's been exactly right. So it's not like there's been like this kind of wild west of people cutting all these routes and doing all this crazy stuff. That's not been the case. It's been just good, consistent football and guys playing tight coverage and guys challenging guys at the line of scrimmage and, you know, bailing off and disguising and communicating. So you know, I, I think that's been, um, quite frankly, that's been a highlight for me, honestly, is, is that group. And, um, you know, I don't want to oversell because they're still young. And again, there's no runs. You know, the whole offense isn't in probably for EB. He's not game planning. At least that's what Ron has said and what EB has alluded to. So a lot, lot of stuff still to go. But I think as a starting point, you feel pretty good about it. You know, you feel pretty good about adding some new pieces and not seeing a lot of mental mistakes. So so kudos to, to that back end group. Yeah, I think. You know, especially when you're this talented, like just make them earn it. And and that's yeah. the difference. Like if you want to say, okay, well, what's a gambly type of defense? What are people talking about? Like Wink Martindale realized last year in New York that talent wise, he did not have it, especially right. on the back end and especially after a bunch of injuries. So it's like, okay, we cannot cover for three, four seconds or we are going to get diced. So he blitzed at a rate that like, you never see in the league. He just absolutely sent the house and that forces quarterbacks to make throws and that's when it becomes risky that's when it becomes you know not necessarily like am i going to jump this route or make the tackle you know just be solid allow the completion and then and then be there no those kinds of decisions but like we might be at a numbers disadvantage and we better hope that one of our guys is close enough to make the tackle um or that the quarterback guesses wrong and that's how we're going to generate the interception because we've sent so many guys after him and i think that with the talent they have and the it's really the not just the physical talent, Logan, but like the the intellectual talent that they seems have. Seems that way. Yeah, seems they can that, we trust their. Yeah, but at this point, it seems like Jack will be able to call. You know, one, you have a four man rush that should be able to get home with regularity because they're they're talented individuals up front rushing. Two, you actually trust your coverage to not just play the first three seconds of the down, but continue to plaster and have that intelligence and the communication and all the things you need on the back end to prevent the big play bus. And that's where a defense can become really, really good is they're just solid. They make you earn it. It is. I mean, you can speak to it, obviously having played NFL offense better than I can, but like when you just feel like you are banging your head against the wall and you, there's no exploiting mistakes. You have to make a play every play. If you want something good to happen, that is such a tall task for an NFL offense and, and a formula, I think for this team to win. Um, and, and it goes with obviously ball control a little bit on offense, allowing the, them to stay fresh defensively and kind of this total team thing that, you know, they're going to want to try to do, but for the defensive part in that the the trust the intelligence those things standing out already makes me it gives me a lot of encouragement heading into the summer i agree and like to, to the solid point against nfl defense is like the the most solid defense that i ever played against was the seattle defense when they were going to the super bowl like they were like they they didn't do anything special they just ran cover three and they ran it better than you ran your offense and they asked their rush to get home and that's what they did. And they were really good at it. And so, again, this is a little different, a little more complicated, a little bit more nuanced. Uh, but I think there's a lot of precedent in NFL history. Tampa Bay running Tampa 2 all the time, like literally like 70% of the time, because 
teams just weren't patient enough. And if you can do that and play at a high level, you get the football. So, um, yeah, man, I'm excited about that back end group. And you mentioned the, the four down guys. It was nice having Chase and Montez, you know, back in the mix this week. And um, Chase looked good. Uh, you know, he's out there for three practices. So I think he had like a total of like 60, 55 plays in the whole week. But looked twitched up, looked focused, looked ready to go, looked great and individual. Um, you know, still a lot of football left for him too. But kind of adding him back and he looks like he's back from the knee. And then Montez was – um, operating at uh, a very um, veteran tempo, I'll say. So not <laughs> not going easy, but not going as hard as he can, like being where he's supposed to be, fitting up and kind of working with the offensive line, like which is what a good pro does in, in these kind of situations. But look good, looks ready. And then you add that to Casey Tuhill, F.A. Obata, who's had a great, uh, both of them. You know, Casey's been very productive, honestly, um, over the OTA period. And then F.A.'s been great. James Smith Williams been in and out. I think he had uh, an excused absence last week, but yeah. that's a that's a really cool group of edge players there. You know, KJ Henry had a very solid kind of first couple practices, um, quieted down as they went. But I think that's a that's a really compelling group. And then the interior group, you know, shoot man, maybe the best in football, which is you know saying something. You got Payne, Allen, Ridgeway, and and Big Phil, who's looked good too. So. I think that group is is also very exciting. I'm really excited, really, really excited to see them in training camp. Like so excited because I think that group, if they can, if they can gel, like the way that you know the way that like Casey and James and and Montez were rushing kind of cohesively with the three techniques last year, if they can do that again with Chase, gosh, that group is going to be special. Now, can That's they get the there? Hope. I don't know. So. Yeah, that's the hope. It's going to be on Chase in a lot of ways, um, both from a physical ability standpoint. Uh, what is he after the injury? Looks so far. All Looks reports good. are very, very, very positive. And then mentally, you know, the discipline and, and the types of things that he lacked in year two um, showed a little bit. I, th I thought that part of his game, he showed well at the end of last year. Um, yes. You know, he just didn't have the physical component. Um, but we'll see what, what happens uh, when they get into the summer and then ultimately into games this fall. Linebacker-wise, Barton, I know, flashed a couple times, um, showed some things. Mayo was playing a lot of uh, a lot of reps because Jamin is not healthy at this time. What yeah. did you see from the the middle of the defense? The guy that stood out to me the most was Klee Hudson. Love every it. every day, like he just would kind of do something. You're like, who's that? Who's that? Oh, that's 47. That's a great blitz. Oh, he who sniffed out that screen? Oh, that's 47. Who's in man coverage on this receiver here in the slot? Oh, that's Kalik. Like he looks great. You know, and I think we were we talking uh, the other day, you and I were talking or I was talking with someone on the show and they were saying that, um, you know, someone was talking about Jamin being injured and are they worried about it? And Jack was like, colleagues look great, <laughs> you know, and I think uh, he yeah. has looked great. And um, and if he keeps playing this way, man, like I don't think there's a lot of need to be super worried about uh, the linebacker group, man, because he he I, I forget how sneaky good of an athlete he is. He's very twitchy. He's good yeah. in space. It's just safety, about safety at Michigan. It's taken him a couple of years to convert, but maybe this is the year. Maybe he figured it out by the Dallas game last year. You know, everyone Which likes to talk about that Dallas game and it's one game. And obviously people do the same thing with Hal. Yeah. it's like, Oh, did he finally figure it out? It's like, I don't know. Guys have good and bad games. Maybe he yeah. had a good game. Maybe he'll then have three bad ones to start the season and he'll never get to play again. Cause that was his chance. Um, we don't know, but the fact that he's shown the same stuff he's shown in that Dallas game, the confidence, the awareness, the, you know, and, and the ability to use his physical gifts, I think, is extremely encouraging. Yeah, and again, like like it applies to everybody on this defense, 
there's not a lot of run stuff. So it's like we're covering passes and we're blitzing and he's really good at that stuff. Um, so it'll be interesting again when they put the pads on and he has to do some of that stuff, but he's probably been at the middle level of the defense, probably been my biggest standout. Obviously Cody's had a good, um, great OTA period, minicamp period, but Khalif just the flashes and what he's been and the way he's been flashing has been really high. But again, like it's nine unpadded practices. There's it's part of the evaluation. Was it good? Yes. It has to continue to be good um, for this team to get to where they want to go. So, yeah. Do you expect anything meaningful to happen on Tuesday? I'm expecting a lot of veterans not to be there. I kind of expect the same thing. Is it, is it, I, and I was going to ask you this, is it listed as a practice or is it listed as a workout? Um, I believe it's an OTA practice. And I think that they will practice because like it's a two hour, they're on the field, 1030 to 1230. Yeah. So I assume because they got stripped of the other practices that they will, you know, this, this is the week they would normally have three, but they're only having one because they're not right. allowed to have three. Right. Um, I'd assume they, they do it, but also between the air quality stuff, which hopefully is cleared up by then. Right. And the fact that they had the mini camp and can let guys go. I'd almost, if I was Ron, be like, Terry, see ya. Like John Duran, like go home, start your off season, have a great time. Um, we'll, we're going to take some reps for these younger guys and we'll see it. We'll see you in late July. If you remember last year, they did something similar. I think it was, it was the last two days of OTAs last year, but basically it was like twos and threes, like go get it, you know, yeah. have fun. And it was awesome because you got to see a lot of the younger guys and kind of help that evaluation and see where those guys are at. I think they cut one of the backup quarterbacks after that day because they were like, well, obviously <laughs> it's not, you know, nope. it's not where we thought it was. So, yeah. um, but I, I'd love that if they're going to do that. Great. But yeah, if you're a veteran, like come support your young guys, you know, maybe put your coach's hat on, put the coach's visor on and then make sure your plane is leaving at whatever, four o'clock and we'll get out of here. So no team meeting yeah. afterwards. Don't let the door hit you in the butt on the way out. Yep. Don't do anything dumb. See you in July. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, on Monday's pod, let's do a rookie report. Let's, okay. let's go deeper on some of these younger guys. You know, we've kind of mentioned Emmanuel, mentioned Quan. Um, but I would love to, to go deeper on some of these guys. And then obviously we can see, uh, probably more of them. Maybe, we, maybe we wind up actually doing that on Wednesday, depending that way, if that Tuesday practice is very heavy on the younger guys, we have a little bit more data. Sure. Uh, so we'll look forward to that next week. Uh, obviously look forward to the off season. And now, now we're getting into silly pod season, Logan. Silly pod now, season. Now it is time to say who would win a game of 11 on 11 football. All, a team of 11 offensive linemen or 11 skill guys. These are the kinds of things you can come to expect on this podcast. We'll also have some great guests, talk, get some different perspectives on all things commanders. Um, that's all still to come this summer. Obviously, the sale will get finalized. Uh, they had the meeting in New York this week. Things are all heading in the right direction. So eventually, we'll have that news sometime in the middle of July. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're getting close. We're getting close. Training camp is kind of, it's maybe not around the next corner, but the corner after that. It's down getting. a long road, you know, it's like, yeah. you're like, it's like a little way down, but it's close. Yeah. Old school directions. Hey, uh, yeah. You're going to go down to the Texaco station. Uh, it's five miles down, then take a left. We're That's... still five miles away from the Texaco, <laughs> but it's the next piece on the directions. Uh, all right. In the meantime, if you want more from us, you can hit Logan on Instagram at Logan underscore Paulson 82. Uh, we will also uh, do some mailbags, uh, obviously this summer. So you can start submitting questions there. I'm on Twitter at Craig Hoffman. Uh, We'll see you next week on Take Command. In the meantime, I'll see you all on the radio between 4 to 7 on the Team 980. Uh, for Logan, I'm Craig. See you.